1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're dealing with the subject of wisdom. The word wisdom comes up over and over and over through chapters 1 and 2. Last week we focused on the wisdom of the cross. The cross is the pinnacle of God's wisdom. It's the model of God's wisdom. It says in chapter 2 and verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages For our glory, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Many years ago, I was working with an individual that was very antagonistic toward the gospel and toward the Bible and anything to do really with religion. I remember one day he was making an argument which he would occasionally do against the gospel or against the Bible or against the idea of God. and He would often do that and then when I would answer him back, then... He wouldn't like that too well, usually, but that opportunity came up again this one particular day. He said, more people have died over religion than over any other cause in the history of the world. His history is actually a little bit off. Secularism actually has led to more deaths than religion has. But that aside, my response to him was this. I said, you know, maybe if that many people are willing to die for it, maybe there's more to it than you're aware of. Then he didn't like that and the conversation was over. But it was a valid point. If people are willing to die for something, maybe there's something to it that you're missing. That your wisdom that you're going by is not scanning here, is not picking up on. And you know what? That's exactly what the Bible's talking about at this point in 1 Corinthians. It started back in chapter 1, talked about those people who are doomed and those people who are being saved. To one, the cross is foolishness. To the other one, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And the wisdom of the world sees foolishness in the cross foolishness in the gospel, foolishness in Jesus Christ, foolishness in the idea of laying down your life for somebody else. Yet that is exactly the wisdom that we see in God. And this isn't a wisdom that you can achieve on your own if, because this is not a wisdom from the earth. In fact, in fact, that's the comparison that is being made here. The wisdom that's of the world compared to the wisdom that is from above. The wisdom that is just natural, a natural part of this world. The wisdom that is spiritual. And so as we look at it here this morning and consider this wisdom that's from above, 
we're going to see that it comes from the Holy Spirit, that it's a spiritual wisdom. And we're going to see three different activities that he's involved in that bring this wisdom into our experience. How, how do we know if we're experiencing the wisdom that's from above or if we're guided by the wisdom that's from above? Well, the first place you start is at that cross where we already looked at. If you haven't come to the point where you see the wisdom of the cross and the meaning of the cross and what that means for you, then you're not there yet. The wisdom of God is the wisdom of Christ. It's the wisdom of the cross. You know, that's, that's the thing that I tripped over early in my coming to Christ. I knew that Jesus was the Son of God. I believed in God that He existed. I just didn't understand why the cross, what it had to do directly with me. The day I realized the cross is the day that I received the wisdom that comes from above. Well, as we look at it here this morning, we're going to look at those three activities of the Holy Spirit that are spelled out within this passage. The first activity of the Holy Spirit that we see that brings us this wisdom is that of revelation. Notice it says in verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now, he just quoted loosely from a passage in, in, in the book of Isaiah. He says, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. And often you hear that quoted to say that the things that God has for us that are up in heaven, they're so great that we can't even imagine what those things are. That's actually not what this is saying. It's saying that we have these great things that we can understand now. It's not just looking forward to the future. It is looking at that plus all that we have in Christ now. But it's saying we can understand that because notice what, the, what verse 10 says. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So these are things that we can understand, that we can get a glimpse of through that Holy Spirit's ministry within our hearts. The fact of the matter is, is that our God is a God of revelation. If God does not reveal Himself to us, there is no way for us to know Him. That's why we have a Bible. We have a Bible because that's our instruction manual. God says here, this is my love letter to you. This is what describes who I am, what I am like, what I'm looking for, what I was doing when I created you, what you were doing when you sinned against me, and how I'm going to redeem you, or I am redeeming you through my own Son, Jesus Christ. If God didn't reveal all that stuff to us, there's no way for us to know it. There's no way for us to grasp it. And whose job is it to do that revelation? It's the Holy Spirit's. And so the first activity that we see that is the Holy Spirit's activity is that He reveals God to us. Now we see He emphasizes it in about three different ways through this passage. In verse 10 there, and then again a little bit later, He says these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Uh, notice also in verses 12 and 13, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And so the goal is for us to understand these things. And for that reason, He has given us the Spirit to reveal those things to us, to teach us those things, to bring us to a point of understanding. These aren't things that we can't understand. These are things that we can understand. But the only way we'll understand them is through the Holy Spirit revealing them to us. Now, so it says the Spirit reveals in verse 10. In verse 10 also, we find that the Spirit searches. In verse 10 it says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And then it goes on to talk about how nobody really knows somebody else's thoughts without a familiarity with the Spirit of that person themselves. A little while back, somebody came up and they said, Well, this person said this to me. And I say, well, you know what? I don't doubt that that person said that to you, but I know that person and I know that person pretty well and I'm pretty confident that they didn't mean it the way that you're taking it. It just doesn't ring true 
with who they are, with what I know of their heart, what I know of their spirit that is within them. Uh, to read it the way that you're reading it, I think you're off a little bit. That's what he's talking about here. He says, look, you, you don't really understand what somebody's saying, their communication, unless you have a, a kind of a, an understanding of them, unless you know them pretty well, unless you understand kind of the spirit that they usually take care of business in or handle things in. He says, when you know that person well enough that you kind of know the spirit that they go by and the, the attitudes that they have and that are reflected, then you have a pretty good understanding of things that they say. And you know what? That's even more dangerous in our society today because so much of our communication in our society today is done through ways where you don't hear the tone of voice, you don't see any physical gestures. So you've got to be really careful in our communication with one another. But here's the deal. What he says here about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a great source of revealing God to us because he is God. He is the Spirit of God. And so he searches the depths of God. He knows the depths of God. He knows every intricacy of the personality of God because he's part of the personality of God. And so he knows God thoroughly. So he's able to reveal God accurately to us because he searches him. And his searching also leads to what we find in verse 11 is that the spirit knows. Because in verse 11, it says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And then he goes on to talking about how we have received the spirit of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is a very good revealer of God to us. Without the Holy Spirit within us, we have no clue, no ability to understand or relate to God. You know what? That's exactly the purpose Jesus mentioned when he left his disciples. In John chapter 14 through 16, Jesus is sitting down with his disciples and he starts off and says, look, don't get anxious, but I'm about to leave. And they got anxious. They're like, wait, wait a minute, where are you going? And he's like, don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I do that, I'm going to come back and receive you to myself so you can be with me. But in the meantime, he tells them, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave somebody with you. And in John chapter 14 Verses 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then we get to John chapter 16, and still talking about the Holy Spirit, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so at this point, Jesus is kind of bringing this conversation to a close. And he says, look, there's so many things you got to know. And he says, you know what, i got to go, but you you, you still need a lot. There's still a lot of things you need to know. He said, but that's okay. I'm not going to be here to teach them to you, but the Holy Spirit, who's coming in my name, he's going to be here to teach you. Now, here's a very interesting thing. I love this. When you look at what Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to do, it says the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things. He's going to remind you of the things that I've told you. And he's going to show you things to come. Those three categories. Do you realize that if you take those three categories, they outline the New Testament of the Bible? We have the Gospels. What is happening in the Gospels? The Holy Spirit is reminding the apostles of all the things that Jesus taught them, and that gives us the Gospels. But then also we see the epistles, the writings of Paul and Peter and John and James. In the epistles, what is that? He says, I'm going to guide you into all truth. He's going to guide you into all truth. And that's what it is. In the epistles, we learn how to flesh out the gospel of Jesus Christ, how to flesh out this Christian life. He guides us into all truth. And then there's also a few places like different parts of Thessalonians, the whole book of Revelation, that is mainly spent doing what? Showing us things that are to come. 
And so when Jesus talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to remind you of the things that I've told you. He's going to guide you into all truth and he's going to show you things to come. And that is exactly what the New Testament does. And so the Holy Spirit has done exactly what Jesus told us he would do as he provided for us the New Testament. And that leads us to the first of these ways, these, these three activities of the Holy Spirit. The first one is he is involved in revelation. But then the next two have to do with, well, how does he do that? How does he reveal God to us? And the first way that he does that is inspiration. Inspiration is a term that we use to talk about the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and a couple other people that were close to the apostles, uh, working through the prophets, working through like Moses to give them the word of God. Now, in this passage, we see it because there's a little change that takes place here. or Maybe I should say a big change. Earlier in the passage, when he refers to the Corinthians, he keeps referring to them as you as he addresses them. But then there's a little bit of a change that takes place, and he starts talking about we. Now, who is we referring to? Is it referring to all Christians? Is it referring to the Apostle Paul and the Corinthians? Or is it just referring to the Apostle Paul and the, the other apostles or the other writers of the New Testament? I think it's that last part. Because he's been talking to them about you Corinthians, this, 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 there's divisions, so on and so forth. But then he says, now when we came to you, we didn't use the philosophies of the day. We didn't, we didn't cover the current events. We came with the cross. And he starts to talk about how they came, the Apostle Paul and the other ministers of the New Testament, how they came with the truth of God's Word. What he's referring to is the Holy Spirit's work through their preaching and through their writing as it became the epistles. The inspired Word of God came to us, that teaching, that revelation of God came to us through the Holy Spirit in inspiring the authors of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes in this passage, he says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Notice down in verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. And so who would the Corinthians be? The Corinthians would be the people that he's hoping to bring to maturity, that he's trying to impart the wisdom. But who is the we part? The we is the Apostle Paul and the people that are with him. He says, we are trying to impart to you this wisdom, this wisdom that is coming from the Holy Spirit. So this wisdom is coming from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul as he inspires the Apostle Paul. And so that what is coming from the Apostle Paul is actually the Word of God. We see this throughout the New Testament as it's reflected in his letter to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Next time somebody asks you, why do you use the Bible to make your decisions? The newest parts of it are approaching 2,000 years old. Why would you use such an outdated book? It's not outdated. Why is it not outdated? Because it's God-breathed. It is an inerrant and inspired testimony of who God is and who we are. What life is about. And that's why it's very useful. If I'm thinking in any way than what the Word of God is declaring, I need, I need my way corrected. My thoughts corrected. I need the discipline and the training and the instruction that all come from this book. Why? Because it is actually breathed out by God. 
You know, Peter gives us a little bit uh, further indication of exactly how that happens. Second Peter chapter one, verses 20 and 21 says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. That's something you hear a lot in regards to the Bible, too. Well, that's how you interpret it. Well, it is how we interpret it, but it says it has its own interpretation. It does mean something. And so we need to find out what that meaning is. It's nobody's private interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So in the end, when it was written down, whose was it? It was God's word that was recorded for us. Not not man's word. When we're reading these, we're studying this book, this letter to the Corinthians. This is not the ideas of the Apostle Paul. This is ideas of God and words of God that come through the Apostle Paul as he's borne along by the Holy Spirit of God. That's exactly why Peter says back in his first epistle, in chapter 1 of that epistle, in verses 10 through 12, says concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that you have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. I love that passage, and I know I share it fairly frequently, but there's a good reason for it. We need to have a grasp of just what the Bible is, and it's the very Word of God. And in this passage, Peter is saying, look, the prophets themselves, after they wrote down the things that God, through the Holy Spirit, inspired them to write, they turned around and studied their own writings. Why? Because they didn't know what they were about. They said, when is this going to happen? Who is this going to happen to? Is they're, trying to they're trying to see Christ. We can see Christ clearly because we're seeing Him in the rearview mirror. They're trying to figure out who He's going to be and what He's going to do and when it's going to happen. In fact, it goes so far as to say they, after studying their own writings, realized that they were ministering not to themselves, but to you, to me, to us. See, the point is, in their time period, they were only going to get so much of a grasp of what they were writing about. Limited. But by the time it would get to the time of the Corinthians, and then even more, by the time it gets to the time of us, we would be able to see much more clearly what they were writing about because we will have seen it happen or read about it happening in the past. We get a more full picture. So in other words, what he's saying by that little statement, they're ministering to to you instead of to themselves, is he's saying that the Corinthians could understand more clearly the teachings of Isaiah than Isaiah could. That's an, that's an incredible thought. As Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, you can have a better understanding of the writings of Moses than Moses himself. Because he was writing down some things that were types and some, some things that were figurative and some things that were pointing way into the future that he was, could only get just a glimpse of. But we get to see the fulfillment of in Christ. That's an awesome thing. And so as we look at it here today, how is the Holy Spirit involved? How does the Holy Spirit reveal to us? It's through inspiration. The Holy Spirit, through the apostles, gave us the wisdom that was recorded in Scripture. And so now we have the record of what God has given to us through His Spirit in the record of the New Testament. But that doesn't end there. That's just, the, that's just the first part of it. Because not only is there somebody involved in writing down the truth or proclaiming the truth, there's also somebody listening to the truth or reading the truth. 
And that part needs to be impacted by the Holy Spirit as well. But then thirdly, by illumination. As the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the person that is hearing the Word of God, we refer to that as illumination. It's kind of like that statement you ever hear or use the statement yourself that the light has turned on or that the light bulb turned on or like in those old cartoons, the little light bulb would have suddenly appear all bright over their head. In other words, they just got a clue. They just woke up to whatever was being said or whatever was going on. Well, that's the idea. You see, because the Word of God comes to us through the apostles, through the writers of the New Testament and the prophets of old, it is the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. But there's another problem. And the problem is, is that you're not going to accept it. You're not going to understand it. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to understand it. I didn't accept it. I didn't understand it for quite a while. And that's what he does in the the passage after that, is he begins to compare or contrast two different things again. What we are in just our natural selves, and what we are under the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit. Notice he says in verse 12, Now that we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And so the point is that us, in and of just our our flesh, in and of ourselves, we won't respond. Even though the, the message is inspired, our sinful nature is in the way. We don't welcome it. We don't respond to it. We need something. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke of this back in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this is a very intimate relationship. He says, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. Why? Because if we don't have that, just in in and of our natural selves, we do not respond to the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God because our own sinful nature wants nothing of it. Because our own sinful nature sees it as foolishness. We just don't get it. We just don't understand it. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and illuminates our hearts, we see the truth of the wisdom of God and we respond to the revelation of Jesus Christ given to us in the New Testament. Notice in the passage as it compares these two things. First of all, the natural person. The natural person does not accept, it says in verse 14. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. It's an idea of welcoming. We don't, we don't welcome them. They're not appealing to us. We don't have an appetite for them. Not until that Holy Spirit regenerates us, gives us that new birth from inside, do we welcome or accept the things of the Spirit of God. Not only that, but then it says the natural person does not understand for they are folly to him, and he is not able, he's not able to understand them. And so these spiritual truths, the spiritual wisdom that we need to be able to understand everything that we have in God, to be able to see the wisdom of the cross and the power of God that's in the cross, in and of our natural self, we will not welcome it. And in contrast to that, we find that the spiritual person will understand. The spiritual person will understand when we no longer have just the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom that comes from God. We understand. It says in verse 15, it says the spiritual person judges all things. 
Verse 16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. So through this ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ and we are able to understand. You know, that morning when I first understood the cross, I cannot really explain to you in any other terms why all of a sudden I understood the cross. But all of a sudden, I just, I just saw it. All of a sudden, it was just clear. All of a sudden, it was just clear that I needed the cross. The only thing I can say is that's the moment the Holy Spirit turned on the light for me. And all of a sudden, I could grasp it. Before that, I figured I was just doing good on my own. wasn't sure exactly where. I knew Jesus was an important part of the story, but I wasn't sure exactly what, how He impacted me. Through that, all of a sudden, I understood and all the pieces started to come together. But not only will the spiritual person be, will, will he understand, but the per- spiritual person, he also tells us, will be uh, misunderstood. Because notice in the passage there, it says the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. In other words, uh, if you, uh, it might clear up a little bit if you put the words understand in the place of the word judge there. It means the same thing. Discern, judge, understand, uh, all means the same. The spiritual person understands all things. It says not only does he understand all things, but, but he is not understood <laughs> by the wisdom of the world. And you know what? We find that to be true, don't we? A lot of unbelieving people out there make all kinds of accusations and, and judgments and, uh, about exactly what Christians are and, what they, and how they're carried away with different things. And, and we get misrepresented and misjudged by the world all the time. And that's pretty much what he's saying right there. And you know what? That ties us right back to the beginning of where he started. To some people, the cross is foolishness. To other people, it's wisdom. Some people are condemned by it. Other people are being saved by it. He's given us several focuses. This is this illumination is God opening our eyes to the understanding of the gospel and the other things contained within Scripture. Psalm 119, the psalmist uses this. He says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Jesus gave such an experience to the disciples that were walking along on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus came up alongside them and began to talk to them. And they were confused. And at one point, Luke 24, verse 45, records for us that it says, Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He gave them that understanding, that spiritual wisdom through the Holy Spirit. He, he opened their eyes so that all of a sudden they could see clearly. Well, as we get the Spirit of God, then the world then will also misunderstand us because they don't see it clearly yet. That's why in, in verse 6 of this passage, He told us, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. Otherwise, you realize what that's saying? He's saying, look, the rulers, the people that are on the upper crust of society don't get this. It's not, it's not the wisdom of the world or of the rulers of the world. This can be leaders as we think of them, like in political leaders. It can, it can be cultural leaders. In other words, people that are, that are writing the songs of the day, that are making the movies and the TV shows. He's saying the, the people that are kind of guiding culture, leading culture, leading society, leading nations, they don't get it. He says if they would have understood it, they wouldn't have ever hung Christ on the cross. So obviously, they don't get it. You know what? If they didn't get Christ, he told us, they're not going to get you either. Back in chapter 1, verse 26, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. In other words, of that upper crust of society, look around in our churches. Not many of us are them. Not many of us are them. So it shouldn't really surprise us when they misunderstand us, when they don't really get us. It's okay. The world doesn't get you. 
Because God has chosen the weak things of the world to overcome the things that are strong. He's chosen the foolish things to overcome the wise. He's chosen the things that are not to overcome the things that are, just as he said back in chapter 1. You know, so many times we get our thinking backwards. But when you hear of a kind of a, a famous athlete that comes to Christ, we think, boy, God can do great things to him. We're missing the point when we think that way. It's not that God can do great things through him. He can. But it's God just did something great for him. God just overcame his supposed strength with his own weakness. And now that person gets to benefit from it. Whenever we get in the mindset that if a celebrity would just come to Christ, then the gospel would have such a platform, we're missing the point. God doesn't need the world's platform. He overcomes that strength, so-called strength of the world, by the weakness, the foolishness of what is preached within the gospel. So as we look at this, what is this wisdom that he's talking about? It is the wisdom that the Holy Spirit brings as he reveals God to us. And how does he reveal God to us? He inspired the author's of the New Testament. But then there's that other obstacle of our own naturalness, our own flesh, our own sinful nature. And in that, He illuminates us. He quickens us. Our light turns on, so to speak. And all of a sudden, we see clearly the things that the Holy Spirit is teaching us through the revealed Word of God.